Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh Lord, what a joy it is to live in your world. To have all that you are and and who you are be a part of what we do. So Lord, we give thanks for that and we don't take for granted that joy. So Lord, as we move into this time together, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So I have been thinking about this series for quite a while. I think it's been about a couple of years, and the impetus behind this series uh, comes from a study that I did. It was a Wednesday morning study a couple of years ago called Epic of Eden by Sandy Richter. And in this study, it really did a whole overview of the entire Old Testament. But but in this overview, it really focused on the covenants that, that God made with, with God's people. And as I was thinking about that, I was trying to find a time earlier uh, in the past years to, to, to squeeze in this series. And I think... Uh, you know, God's timing helps uh, move all of this as, as I listen to the Holy Spirit. I was just thinking, you know, for some reason, right here and right now was really the perfect time to talk about the covenants that, that, that God has made with, with all of us. Maybe how the world that we live in right now, and maybe the reminder that, that, that God is for us and God is not against us. And we see that when we take a look at what the covenant is all about. Sometimes we have a little idea. We maybe don't know exactly what a covenant means, but we have a little bit of idea, really. If you think about those little places where you go onto a website or you you download something on your phone and and something pops up and it says, read this agreement. Actually, that actually happened to me yesterday. I was uh, clicking around online and there was a website that I wanted to to get to a certain article. And it said, in order to read this article, you must click and agree to the terms of service. And I did probably what maybe you all do. Just don't click on a little button, just make a little check in the box and go forward that way I can get to the access to to the article that I wanted to read. Now I'm knowing for a well that now I'm going to be getting calls letting me know that my uh, extended warranty is now expired and who knows whatever happens whatever type of MasterCard or Visa card thing or call that I'm going to get that I missed in those terms of services that you see in these uh, little apps and everything. But that's a form of covenant. When you, when you click on that, that little box to say that you agree to the terms of service, you're forming a, a little bit of a covenant with the company or the website or, or the game or whatever that you're clicking on, saying that I will agree to allow this to happen in order for me to have access to 
whatever it is that I wanted to explore. You know, in church life, we have a lot of covenants. There, there was a covenant that we talked about last week, if you remember, the baptismal covenant. That, that reminds us that as we, we take a hold of this baptismal covenant, whether we're an infant or whether an adult, we're saying that we will be followers of Jesus Christ and that uh, our parents or ourselves, we will do what we can to live faithfully in that. And we know that because of the waters of baptism, our sins are washed away. There are other covenants that we participate in the life of a church. There, there's the marriage covenant. There's the, the membership vows that, that we partake of when we become a member of our local church to, to be faithful in our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And, and, and as your pastor, I have taken another covenant to become a pastor in the United Methodist Church. That actually happened on June the 6th in 2011 when I was uh, standing in front of the uh, pastors and the bishop and cabinet and, and those in attendance at Christ United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas, and I made a covenant to uphold the doctrines and disciplines of the church. And all of this points to a, a bigger picture. And I think it's a picture that we can see in our scripture for this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 to 11. I invite you to follow along with your Bibles or we'll have the words printed on the screen for you to follow along as well. Hear the word of the Lord. For you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possessions. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were most numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to thousands of generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay their face, those who hate him. Therefore, Take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws that I give you today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to go back to the word that we heard. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping the covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. What powerful words. What, what a powerful reminder of, of who God is and, and his place in our lives, or, or maybe I should really say our place in his life. How if we are faithful to God, and even when we're not faithful with God, he will continue to pour out his faithfulness on each and every one of us. 
See, that's what a covenant is. Uh, a covenant is basically an oath-bound promise whereby one party solemnly pledges to bless or serve another party in some specific way. Now, we have the type of contracts or, or covenants, if you will, that we talked about before at the beginning of, our mes of this message, but there are two really forms of contract that we see played out in all of scriptures. <clears throat> there is one form of contract or, or covenant that is called the, the parity treaty. And, and what that is, it is an active agreement between two equals, it's an agreement that they would help and protect one another. And a great way to, to express what this looks like is just like if you have two countries. And these two countries, they say, hey, I noticed that you have great lumber, you have a, a great access to fishing, and you have a great access to the fabric and the cloth. If you send us that, then we will send you this, this, and that. You know, maybe it, it's, it's, it's corn, maybe it's uh, some other type of produce, or maybe it's some kind of electronics. They, they pass both of those things back and forth to help each other and to allow this agreement to allow them to work side by side with another. But that's not the type of covenant that we see God setting up here in the Old Testament. The type of covenant that God is setting up in the Old Testament is a covenant between a suzerain and a vassal. And what a suzerain is, it is a person who is, is greater, and the vassal is someone is lesser. For example, the greater king commits to protect and look out for the interests of the lesser king, as long as the lesser king pays tribute and looks out for the greater king's interest. There, there, there's a sense of loyalty there. Now, kind of go just a little bit of pop culture here. There is a, a new show that is out on Disney Plus called, called The Book of Boba Fett. And, and I bring that up because you can see an example of what the Cesaran and vassal relationship is. I won't go into it and spoil anything, but, but if you look at what Boba Fett does with the mayor of Mos Espa, he, he sets up this relationship where he can serve as long as he continues to please the Cesaran or Boba Fett. So all of these things are playing in line, and in fact, this is the type of relationship that we see being played out in the Old Testament between God and God's people. You know, when I was in high school, I uh, was a part of this class in my senior year that everybody wanted to be a part of. There, there was actually a waiting list to get into this class. And this class was called International Relations. And, and in this International Relations class, we spent the entire semester going over different things that were happening in the world. You know, back when I was in high school in, in the late 80s and graduated in 1990, we had, you know, the height of the Cold War or stuff was going on between Russia and, and the United States. Uh, the things were happening, the fall of the Berlin Wall, all of that stuff was happening. So we had a lot of great stuff to talk about. But, but the thing that I loved most about this class and the main reason why people wanted to take this class was that the very last week, during finals week, we got to play war. 
And what I mean by that is that the, uh, the, the teacher of the class, Ms. Johnson, she would divide us up into countries. I would be a president and a vice president. Me and my friend Greg, we were the president and vice president of, of our certain country, and I forgot that what we named our country. But, but we were very wealthy in, in, in certain resources. And there was another country that was kind of an island nation in this fake map that Mrs. Johnson made, and they had something that we really want. So we set up this relationship between us where, where we would supply them with the resources we had while they had supplied us with the resources they had. And then in the middle of this trip, we decided that we would then jump and live inside of their country. And, and we would say, you will protect us and we will continue to give you these things. At the end of the class, Mrs. Johnson looked at Greg and I said, what did you guys do? That we played it safe. He said, you could have easily just taken out everything with the resources that they had there in that country. And you could have been the ruler of the entire class. But we missed it because we did not see the power and the resources that we could have accomplished together when we took over were part of this one country. Now, this sets up a totally different picture than what I believe God shows us in Scripture and what the reason why God had and set up these covenants for us to live by. The covenants aren't there so that God can have this ultimate power over us and, and, and lord over us, but as Sandy Richter put it, it puts it in a way that we are participating in a means of redemption. The covenants that, that God set up in the Old Testament all the way through to the new covenant with Jesus Christ, it is all about restoring the original creation, fulfilling and looking at what will happen in the future. There are a lot of times when we look at Scripture, we, we get stuck at Genesis chapter 3, and we end looking at Revelation chapter 19. And what I mean by that is that, that we love to talk about how sinful and horrible we are as human beings. And we are looking forward to that final punishment and torture that will happen in the book of Revelation, and in Revelation 19. But the fact of the matter is, the story begins in Genesis 1. The story begins in Genesis 1 with God creating the world and creating us and, and setting us in a garden where, where things are, are, are perfect and we are living in a perfect union with the one who created us. But because of our fall and because of our sinful nature, that changed. And so, yes, we do see that there will be a time of punishment in Revelation chapter 19. But if we take a look at Revelation 20, in Revelation 21 and 22, we see that there is a new heaven and a new earth. And that all things will be restored to where we were supposed to be living in this garden, in, in this, this paradise. But that paradise will be restored once again. And we see a complete story of grace and redemption instead of sin and punishment. 
all of this can be boiled down to a Hebrew word. And that Hebrew word is bereath. It, it's kind of like Bertha with an S in it, so bereath. And, and I have a picture of, of what it looks like in the ancient Hebrew writing. Now, just a, a quick note about Hebrew. We as humans, uh, Americans, humans, as, as Americans and English readers, we are used to reading from right to left. Uh, everything we do, we left. Why did I do that again? Left to right. This is left to right. I, I don't, but y'all know what I mean. We go left to right. For the Hebrew language, they read from right to left. And so the beginning of the word isn't where you see the cross. The beginning of the word is there on the far side that looks kind of like a, a squiggly a line. But what that really is is the word bet, which also serves as the Hebrew word for family or home. It's supposed to represent kind of like a shelter. It's a place where, where family can gather together and, and know that they are safe and they are secure. The, the second letter in this alphabet is, is Rosh, which was scribed by illustrating an individual's head. If you, if you really look, you can see kind of the hairline there and, and then the face. That is the person's head. And, and, and what that is to con conveying is the idea that something is the first order of business. So what's the first order of business? Well, you just look right beside it to the very first letter of this word. It is the establishment of the family and the home. That is the top priority. Nothing is more important to Yahweh than the establishment of the family relationship, this family relationship that each and every one is invited to participate in. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. The, the third letter is a yod, and you can see it kind of looks a little bit like a hand reaching out. The yod is also the very first letter in the word that we use for Yahweh, or if you see it written in the Hebrew scriptures, it's written Y-H-A-H, -H. and that yod is showing that God's hand is reaching down, that God has the will the authority, and the ability to grow relationships. So, so if we continue to build this out, we see that we're establishing a family relationship, the family and the home, and that is God's top priority, and God will do whatever God has to do to, to reach out and with his will and authority to help grow the relationship. And then the last letter in this word is the ta, which is the final letter, and it describes what had to be achieved to facilitate the priority of enlarging our Heavenly Father's family. It's kind of amazing that it's the shape of a cross, isn't it? That, that gives us the idea to say that God will do anything and everything that he needs to do in order to bring together his heavenly family. Another way that this is looked at is it looks maybe like a doorway and a tent pole. And the higher that the tent pole goes, it means that more and more people can come into this reliable 
entrance. That they know that as they walk in through this entrance that they will be able to be a part of the covenant. They'll be part of this, this family that God is establishing. Allowing us and those who desire to seek God for who he is to be a part of God's covenant relationship. God's top priority is to, to cut his family covenant relationship with his creation. To, to bring back what was destroyed in Genesis chapter 3 and restore that into this beautiful place where all of God's creation is restored and all of God's people are restored into this new life with a God who loves and cares for each and every one of us. So over the next five weeks, we're going to take a look at these different covenants within the Old Testament. Next week, we'll start with looking at the Noahic covenant. Then we'll talk about Abraham, and then Moses, and Israel together, and then David. And then finally, as we prepare to move into the season of Lent, we will move into looking at how the new covenant that Jesus made with humanity has restored everything so that we can live full in the life that God has called us to live. I'm looking forward to this journey with you, and I hope you're looking forward to it too as we have the opportunity to explore what a covenant means. And maybe, just maybe, the next time you're scrolling through your phone or you're clicking on an agreement somewhere and you realize how easy it is to be trapped inside of some kind of agreement that you really don't know exactly what, is, what uh, the terms in the agreements are, know that there is a covenant that each and every one of us are invited to, to be a part of, that we know what the terms of agreements are. Now that we know that, that there is a God who desires us to live in full relationship with him. And he will give us everlasting life. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you have given us an opportunity to see how much you love us. And while sometimes it's easy to look at covenants or, or look at the law of the Old Testament, we see ways that we are prohibited from doing things. But Lord, we know that your way isn't about prohibiting us from doing things, but it's about giving us life and giving us life abundantly. So God, as we continue in the study of covenants, help us to see how we live in your covenant. How we have the opportunities to continue to grow, to continue to be faithful disciples of yours, and to share that covenantal love with others. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.